Welcome to the Glenn Mercer Show, where we talk all things vegan. If you're not already vegan, no worries, we'll get you there. If you are, tune in for health advice, information on climate change, and all the damage done by our most destructive industry, animal agriculture. We'll also talk cooking, theater, film, and culture. My two reasons for starting this podcast, to entertain, to inform, and to make people vegan. Oh, that's three. Shit. Hello and welcome to the Glenn Mercer Show. You can find us across all your favorite podcast platforms. You could find us on YouTube. You could find us at realmeneatplants.com. My special guest today is my old friend, Dr. Gustavo Tolosa. Now, when I say doctor, he's not a medical doctor. He is a doctor in the musical arts from the Eastman School of Music in lovely Rochester, New York. Gustavo is a concert pianist who has performed all over the world. He also has his own YouTube channel. He has a website and blog called plantamus.com. That's spelled plant emus, plant emus.com. He has a seven-day detox and reset program. Uh, you could also find him on Facebook under the name, he keeps changing his name, Dr. spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, Dr. Starch, um, where he has an online book club. Gustavo, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Glenn. It's a pleasure to be here with you. We've done a lot of um, you know, webinars together, but I'm always interviewing you. So thank you for interviewing me. This time I get to find out who the heck you are. That's right. Yes. So I got to tell you the headline I saw this morning when I opened the internet. Antarctica is missing an Argentina-sized amount of sea ice. That was the headline. Antarctica is missing an, an Argentina-sized amount of sea ice. You are in Argentina right now. The question is, have you seen it? I have been to Ushuaia, which is the, the most southern city in the world. I mean, then after that, you, there's nothing else. I mean, it's the Antarctica. So I've been close to it. Uh, and it is amazing the amount of ice. Uh, it's also amazing the kind of winter, supposedly, that we're having here, because uh, it's usually cold, very cold. And, and now? Uh, no, it's, kind of, it's, it's spring. The, the trees or the plants are confused. They're starting to you know, bloom, <laughs> and we're supposedly in the min middle of winter. Wow. Now, have you seen the missing ice? I haven't because it's missing. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> so when you go out your front door, I guess you could see Antarctica, right? No, no. no. Well, I, I'm in the middle. Of, Argentina is this long cone right. that goes to Antarctica. And this long cone, I'm in the middle there in oh. a province called Cordova, in, up in the mountains, actually. But some people take a boat from the southern tip of South America, right, and go to Antarctica in a couple of yeah. days, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. It's beautiful over there and cold. So uh, have you had any snow this winter? No, no snow. No snow. Do no. you usually have snow in the winter? There's usually snow, but maybe not much, uh, two, two times perhaps, but sometimes it comes, uh, it's come towards the end of the winter. So we still have hope that we'll have one or two snow. Yeah. And is Argentina in a drought now? Well, Argentina, I mean, it's, it's, it's this huge country. There's always some a drought going on somewhere. I mean, uh, I, I, don't, I haven't heard of any major ones and where I'm at, no. Um, so I don't, I don't think so. All right, so let's talk about your journey. 
Um, as a concert musician, pianist, you um, came to the United States eventually and um, started teaching uh, in Texas, founded a school of music. Uh, but at some point you started putting on weight. How did that happen? That happened at the, at the, it, the thing is uh, like many people who, who struggle with weight, you know, it's the yo-yo kind of thing goes up and down, up and down. You try this diet, you try that diet, you exercise more, you exercise less. I mean, all those things. So, but when I uh, first arrived to the United States in 1987, I, um, you know, I, I, I didn't know much. I mean, I, I knew the language and I was a student at a university at that point. And I was staying with a host family who were just lovely. They were like my parents my second parents. And um, one of the things that I found very quickly were these cans that um, uh, the wife would, would, would buy and she had in the refrigerator. And, um, and she just would hit the can on the counter <laughs> and the can would kind of explode a little and uh, I would open and then these rolls like, um, uh, yeah, like bread, bread rolls would come out and she would put them in a pan in the oven. And, and those were, to me, coming from Argentina, where it's basically a bread country, there are bakery in every corner, sometimes two bakeries in one block. So to me, that was amazing that you didn't have to go to the bakery, that you open a can and there were biscuits. And not only that, that they were amazingly delicious, um, especially if on top of that, you put butter or jam and other things. So um, I started eating these magic bread <laughs> that came in a can. And uh, yeah, I started gaining weight. And, um, and then I was introduced to all the Southern food, all the barbecue and fried this and fried that, everything and they can find, they can they fry it. And um, so, yeah, I started gaining weight and gaining weight. And because my profession requires a lot of sitting, you know, sometimes five, six hours sitting at the piano, practicing, rehearsing, going to a concert, being at the computer, way more than six hours, way probably more, a lot more. So it's a sedentary, unless you make the effort to exercise. So yeah, I, I gained weight and gained and gained. And eventually you got to the point of being what, about 70 pounds overweight? I did, but it was very, very gradual. I mean, it was over a period of like 20 years because... I gained weight, then I would lose it, then I would gain. Um, and um, I've, I could say, I mean, I haven't been diagnosed or gone to a psychologist for them to tell me that this is the case. But um, my eating many times is directly linked to emotions and yeah, emotional eating, like they say. Some, some psychologists don't believe in emotional uh, eating some do. But the truth is that when I go through um, periods of very difficult times, uh, and I did in, 19, in, 2000, in 2004, uh, just, just everything seems to fall apart and everything is going the wrong way. And uh, I, at that point, because other times it would go up and down, up and down, up and down. But at that point, 2004, it started just, the trend was always up and up. And so up. when you hit difficult emotional times, you head right for the bread cans. Is that what happens? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it was, it's usually bread, pasta, but you know, at that time I wasn't plant-based. So right. it wasn't, 
I mean, it wasn't really the bread or, or the pasta, or those, those things are processed and they do mm-hmm. they make people gain weight. But it was what went with that mostly. Uh, you know, I was also eating baked potatoes, but the baked potato had cheese and sour cream and butter and meat, you know. So it's all this stuff that went with them and, uh, and the fried food. I mean, all this, all that uh, and, and the cookies and cakes. I mean, it was, right. And you, you grew up in Argentina, which is a big beef eating country. So I imagine there was a lot of beef that was always part of your diet, right? There wasn't a lot of beef when I was growing up. Uh, my, my family had a uh, pretty good. My, I grew up with my grandmother who was from Spain. And uh, in my house, there was always, um, there, there usually was a lot of vegetables and fruits and and rice and um, potatoes. Um, so yeah, there were there was meat and there was dairy, um, but not in the amounts that other Argentinians eat meat. Um, so yeah. So, so when you came to the states, did you start having more fast food and more yeah, meat? Yeah, yeah. That was the other thing that that was another factor besides the magic bread cans <laughs> was the. Um, the, the, you know, the novelty of driving and having this window that opens and, you know, they give you food, um, you know, the drive, the drive through windows. And uh, of course, I mean, you have to accept it's convenient, it's cheap, some of the food tastes good. Um, and so, um, yeah, that, that was part of it too, the, the fast food. Now, when you're a concert pianist and you get to the point of being 70 pounds overweight, does that make it difficult? It made it difficult. It made it difficult in my professional life, uh, in my self-esteem life. I mean, in, in many ways, because by the time that I had reached that point from, from 2004, uh, by the time... It was 2010, 11, I had already. So it, it only took five or six years to gain those. You know how easy it is to gain weight. So I had already gained those 70, 75 pounds. And uh, yes, I, I started feeling very poorly. I, I would get, I couldn't breathe well. I had to sleep sitting up because of the acid reflux. I... I couldn't really go up as much one, you know, I guess one flight of stairs and I just couldn't breathe. And playing the piano is very taxing when you play difficult, difficult pieces that it's like running a marathon, really, some of some of these pieces. And it was hard. It was also hard to the stomach would get in the weight, in the way of the arms and hands. And just knowing that I w- wasn't looking good. Uh, never wanting to look at myself in the mirror, finding, you know, being difficult, finding clothes, always having to go to the extra, extra, extra large section. It was just, it was really. Negative. What was the highest weight you, you hit? I believe it was 273. Okay. Five, probably, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I also didn't want to weigh. I hadn't weighed in a long time. So when, when, I, when I went, when I finally found, and we could talk about this later, uh, the McDougall program and, and I went there, that was a shock to me because I hadn't weighed in a long time and the first day you have to weigh. And uh, I think it was 275, 273, something like that. Okay, now tell us about how you discovered the solution to this problem? The solution, the discovering process was very painful because I am, um, uh, well, first of all, I was feeling, I, I knew within myself that I was going to die soon. Um, in my father's side of the family, there is a lot of um, genetic, negative genetics, I guess, you know, a lot of diabetes and a lot of, heart disease and uh, other things. So my father had had a quadruple bypass in 
1999 and died in, in a few months. So I didn't, um, I, I felt that my life was going to be short and I wanted to live long. I have, uh, I had, at that, I mean, I still do, but they were younger, three children and I uh, had a career that I wanted. I had things that I wanted to do and I still do. And I saw that that was not going to be possible. Um, so it was painful because I actually tried. I really, being, uh, being trained in research because to get a PhD, you, you have to do a, a good amount of research and question everything that you read or you're told, um, find the truth you know, behind that. And I really did. I really did research, I read, I went things, I tried and nothing would work. And that was the frustrating thing. And so I knew that there was, there was something missing and I couldn't figure it out and it would drive me crazy. And I had arrived almost to the point, I think, yeah, by, by the year 2012, that I kind of gave up. I knew that that's how I was going to end up. And um, so, but it was at about that time, well, I have to look it up. I don't know if it was 2010 or something that this movie came out that a lot of people are familiar with, Forks Over Knives. Forks Over Knives, one of the yeah. classic plant-based documentaries. I can't remember now what year, but I think it was I think it, I think it was 2012. Well, 11 or something like that. Anyway. Mm -hmm. So I am, um, and I am addicted to movie theaters, okay? I don't watch movies at home or TV. I don't even have a TV. But you give me a movie theater and I can be there every day of the week, all day. So I love, I, in Dallas, where I was living at the time, um, one day uh, uh, my partner and I went out for a walk as we usually did in a, in a, in a nice area in Dallas called West Village. And there was a, a nice theater, movie theater there that we went often. And this time um, we were walking and, and I said, oh, look, there's, why don't we go see a movie? But everything had already started. And, um, but there was this one that was starting like in five minutes. And uh, the title didn't tell me anything, Forks Over Knives, but uh, I thought, well, you know, as long as I can be, go to a movie, let's just go see it. So we went to see him. And as the movie developed, I got very like emotional because I was seeing in front of me developing this, uh, the, the answer, the answer to this question that had been, you know, bothering me for years. And, uh, and also, so I, I saw hope there for the first time ever. And at the same time, I, I, I didn't know how to, how to do this. And it was like, okay, now, now I've seen the solution, but I don't know how to do it because there are, I saw doctors there and some establishments where people could go to and I didn't know where they were. So there started my next research level of finding for some reason, Dr. McDougall, you know, it kind of stayed in my mind. For, he made an impact, even though Dr. Selstein was there and, and many others. So I started looking him up and it wasn't easy. It really wasn't easy to find much about because it was a new movie. Um, but eventually I found that he had a center in, in Santa Rosa. California, a place where you would go basically and be in this controlled environment for 10 days where you would learn about nutrition and eating and some of the uh, medicine even and psychology. And, um, and, and I wanted to do it. But the next problem came up, which was I didn't have money. <laughs> that, that, was, <laughs> that was also a time in my life when uh, a lot of things 
didn't go right with my with a divorce and other things and um, I just couldn't do it and my mother was also desperate for me for my health we're both concert pianists and um, and uh, we have a close bond because music has kept us together for pretty much all our lives and she really cared well I guess I mean any parent would care about their kids children but uh, even though I wasn't a child anymore but she would she was truly truly worried about my health so uh, I told her and, and about this and so I started saving money a little bit here and there and eventually I saved enough for the deposit fee and I committed not really knowing how I was going to get the rest of it but uh, a number of things happened and I was able to finally attend. I did have to wait and the wait was painful, but I waited and then by August of 2013, I was in Santa Rosa, California, um, like, a little, like a child who had just arrived at Disneyland for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it and was it, only a few years later that Santa Rosa had a terrible fire and a lot of things burned down. Including Dr. Um, Maduro's home. And yeah, uh, yeah they almost. So you died. made it there in time, 2013. And tell us what you learned in Santa Rosa at the McDougal program. Was this a week long program? It was 10 days. 10 it days. Of absolutely intense, intense uh, education and activities. Like, I was, I didn't really know what I was getting into. I knew I was going to learn something, but I didn't know much. But um, for the pictures of this beautiful resort um, and the area, I thought, well, this is going to be like a little, like a mini vacation. There was no vacation. <laughs> it was, I mean, I loved it. I loved every second of it, but uh, because I love learning and I, and I love being in classes and workshops, but it was one class and one workshop after another, after another from um, early in the morning, like eight until many times until 7 uh, p.m. And so um, it, it, was, it was very busy. And, um, and they gave you the, the, one of the interesting things to me was that there was this, um, this uh, lunch buffet and breakfast buffet and dinner, but everything was an all-you-can-eat buffet. And uh, to me, that was kind of like, what? I mean, I can eat anything here and, and as much. Nobody's going to control how much or how many times they serve. And there were like 20 different dishes um, to try. And I started getting, finally, getting the answer. Uh, plus all the lectures and the book that we were reading, the Start Solution. Finally, I figured out that oil had a lot to do with this because I had tried vegan in my way with all the processed foods and all the stuff full of oil and, and fake cheeses and fake meats. And, and this was all whole food. And that's what I always highlight to people that I talk to, the word W-H-O-L-E, whole food and plant-based. And um, even though oil comes from a plant, but it's not whole, there's nothing whole about it. So I really, when I was done with the program, the, the empowerment, the feeling of empowerment was uh, just something that I had never felt before. Uh, something that I had, that I didn't think I was ever going to feel. Knowing, really knowing 100% what to do, number one, and how to do it. Because you, you can know what to do, but if they don't tell you how to do it or show you, then so both of those things are important. You can also know how to do things, like how to cook, but if you don't know what. So finally, I knew, I knew everything. I, it, that, was, that was one of the amazing things of the program, that you left the program with no questions that were not answered. Everything 
all the questions they had were answered. I knew what to do. I know how to do it. That's what I do in my seven-day program, by the way. And um, so when I got home, it was like, well, I had the stack of recipes that they gave you after the program was done. Everything that you ate during those 10 days, you had it with you. And I said to both my mother and my partner at that time, this is what I'm going to cook every single meal here because I want to try it myself. I want to make them and I want to, I want to mark the ones that I love, the ones that are good and the ones that I really don't care about. And, the, and I did that and we ate that way, all of us. And all of us started losing weight in a way that I thought that it was impossible or it wasn't real, it was you know, a lie. When I mean every week eating as much as I wanted, I was dropping six, seven, eight pounds in one week. When that took me like months to do before, I, I couldn't, I, I mean, I even went and bought a new scale because I thought it was broken. And um, so, yeah, it was just uh, amazing. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back and learn more about Gustavo's transformation. All right. If you've ever wanted to show off your plant-based lifestyle and do it in style, here's your chance. We have some of the most amazing t-shirts, hats, accessories, coffee mugs, and more at shop.realmeneatplants.com. We have statement t-shirts that will bring a smile to everyone's face. I love the I want tofu tonight tea. Plus, we have podcast teas, real women eat plants gear, real kids eat plants, and real people eat plants, just in case men, women, and kids didn't cover it all. Yeah, we love you and love that you want to show off that healthy lifestyle of yours. Again, check out our high-quality gear at shop.realmeneatplants.com and enjoy. Okay, we're back with Gustavo Tolosa. So you did the McDougal program. You find yourself losing weight while you're eating as much as you want of plant-based foods. How, uh, how long did the weight loss go on? Tell us about the results. Well, the amazing thing with the starch solution which uh, also I'm, I'm certified by the McDougal Health and Medical Center to, to coach uh, because that was, I, I was so amazed at this that, if, uh, that I, uh, I wanted to take the certification course, uh, which wasn't easy, but it was very, also it just gave me another insight. So I did that uh, as I was losing weight. Uh, at the the, the thing about the starch solution is that it allows you, it allows a person that has a lot of weight to lose, like I did, to continue eating a lot of the things that they like to eat, uh, like bread and pasta and, you know, uh, um, even, even some cookies or cakes. But not bread from cans, right? That's not, not on the McDougal program. Cans. No, no. So, but it, but it doesn't, because for a lot of people, when you, when you come from eating such a bas, you know, such a poor diet, what we call the SAD, the standard American diet, when, if you tell them to, that they can eat uh, just about everything that they eat, uh, they, they can, that can turn, it, turn them off and you, and you want them to, to come in and to start trying what a whole food plant-based diet is. So, um, I was losing weight, even though I was eating bread. Yeah, it was whole wheat bread. It, was, uh, it wasn't the, the cheap, you know, white bread. I was eating some whole wheat pasta and I was um, uh, eating chocolate pudding. I mean, not every day, you know, once in a month or so. But, the, but I knew that I could eat those things if I wanted to. Um, so... So because I had so much weight to lose, I would lose weight. Most of what I ate was the, the plant, the whole food, the plant-based. Um, so I was, I was losing an average of eight. Uh, uh, but at the beginning, it was a lot. Um, but in about five months, I had lost 
50 pounds, you know, about 10 pounds a month. And so at that point, I started noticing that the weight loss was continuing, but it was slowing down and it was fine. I mean, I, I knew that I couldn't keep losing that much weight. Right. That I would disappear. Yeah. It's only but, natural that it slows down over time. Natural. Yeah, the body starts to, to arrive to that equilibrium point, like Dr. Lyle says, or plateau, whatever you want to call it. And um, so I, you know, I was I was learning and learning, and I I, um, I, I continued reading, and I figured out that yes, may, I think I need to to start giving up. And I was in I was in touch with Dr. McDougall also because we had started our weekly webinars by that time. And that was another story that it was totally un. Prepare. I mean, and, uh, it wasn't planned or anything like that, but it, I was very, very, very uh, lucky to be able to weekly do webinars with Dr. Mandurro. So I would sometimes ask him and, and, um, and yeah, I, we, I figured out that I had to, if I wanted to continue losing weight, um, I needed to start eliminating or reducing some of these things. And by this time, I was feeling better about taking a walk, doing some kind of light exercise. So I did that. But I started restricting the amount of bread and sweets um, and uh, pasta and heavier caloric foods like avocado or some dark chocolate, things like that. Not all, at, not all at once, but a little bit at a time. And so it showed that, yes, that uh, giving up some of those or, or restricting some of those was helping me lose more weight. And I did. I lost more up until I lost 70. It, fluct it fluctuates. I can't say that I lost. Uh, it's between 70 and 75 because my weight fluctuates like that. So um, yeah, and that's and that's and, how. And how did how did that affect your your self esteem and your your happiness? Oh well, that was a day and night. I also I also was naive about this. I did not think. I didn't believe when when people when I used to hear people talk about their self-esteem and the, and the body and the body weight, I thought, oh, that's baloney. I mean, that's, but no, I, I then I could, I experienced it. I felt more secure about myself. I felt, um, well, my, my self-esteem as a whole was, uh, I finally, finally, I, I had never used the bathroom mirror. I, I, it was there, but I never even acknowledged it. I could look at myself in the mirror. I could feel good, feel good going shopping. I, I, I used to hate going clothes shopping, you know, and I would love to go and try things. So it was, it, it was a very, I felt happier, definitely much. Uh, like, you know, when, when you realize that something, something so silly as food, as a, as a thing, is controlling you, and now you can control it. Um, it's it's empowering and yeah. makes. Um, and uh, did it affect your performance of music? Well, yes, 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 definitely. I was um, I was able to to to. I mean, I it never. I never gave up before. It was just hard to do because it was un many times uncomfortable. But um, I also noticed that I, my attention span or my my focus was better. So it um, it made it made a difference in every area of my life, really. And when people would come up to you and notice the change, what were those conversations like when you would tell them? 
what you did to lose weight? Oh, well, yes. <laughs> At the beginning, yes, of course, I, I lived in this building that I lived in the eighth floor. So I usually took the elevator. Um, sometimes I, I used the stairs, but um, so the, it was the elevator, <laughs> the classic elevator talk. You're there for a few, for a minute or so, and, and you, everybody knew me, almost everybody. And hey, wow, what are you doing? You know, that's the first. And um, I knew, I knew that was kind of a superficial question because it was, you know, I had one minute to say, and right. so my, yeah, I've. Did I you ever I, turn anybody vegan in the elevator? No. No. People Maybe if you had lived in a taller building. Yeah, I needed like possible. 200. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> People don't want to. People don't, unless you're ready, you have, the timing has to be perfect. I was ready at that time. But you had shown me that movie maybe 20 years earlier. I wouldn't have paid attention. So the timing is, has to be perfect there. And the person has to be ready to learn. And so I figured that out also pretty quickly because I did have quite a few slaps in my face <laughs> trying to convert people. And, you know, you get disappointed because you're excited. You have lost this way. You feel great. You want to convert the world. And people, many people don't, don't give anything, you know, they don't care. And so I soon learned that I would only talk to people that showed a genuine interest, like they really wanted right. to. So I, I would say, oh, I, I just changed the way I'm eating. And so of course, oh, and what are you eating? Well, I would say um, it's just mostly uh, plants and things that are not processed, I said. Right. And so by that time, if they if they wanted more, I, I would say, well, if you want if you want to learn more, just uh, send call me or send me a text or whatever, and we can get together. And I did a few workshops in my apartment in that building, and I, where I prepared uh, like a lot of food, and people came and tried it, and I talked to them, and and. Uh, but I guess out of all of that, I think one, maybe two people wanted yeah. to try. So You know, when I originally became vegetarian and then vegan, I wasn't interested in converting other people. I didn't care what other people ate. <laughs> but but uh, today I read that Antarctica is missing an Argentina-sized amount of sea ice. That's, and we yeah. know that one of the leading reasons for that is 1.5 billion cows around the world belching methane. And now it is important what other people eat. And so now, uh, you know, it's my life's work to try to turn people vegan. And there's a carnivore born every minute. So I'm not, I'm not keeping up. Uh, but we have to do what we can. We can we must. I I this this news that you tell me is uh, I I haven't heard it yet. Well, I try to stay away from news, which probably it's, it's, I don't know if it's that good or not. But so I haven't heard that news, but it is alarming because Argentina it's a massive massive country. So I cannot imagine that a size. Of Argentina is missing in, in eyes. I can't imagine yeah, that. It's missing. So let us know if you see it at any point. Okay. It might just float around. Yeah. Here. If you see a lot of ice floating around outside, oh. it'll be about the size of Argentina. Wow. So you won't be able to miss it. No, I'm not going to miss it. Are there no. a lot of climate deniers in Argentina or do most people accept? Uh, the reality well, of uh, they, human caused climate change. No, no, it's it's interesting how it's not denied, but it's in, but but it's not attributed to to animal animal agriculture. It's, it, no. it's attributed only to the burning of fossil fuels. Right, right, yeah. And you know the problem with that thinking is that it ignores the reality 
that animal agriculture takes up so much of the planet that if we didn't have animal agriculture, we could reforest so much of the planet and we could save the oceans from industrial fishing and all that sequesters carbon dioxide. We could bring it out of the atmosphere. When you don't look at both sides of the ledger, you never get to the truth. Um, yeah, yeah, Glenn, I, I've, I've learned that you touch people's foods. It's, it's worse than touching politics or religion. You touch, <laughs> I mean, you really, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I, I have this image of that, uh, that dog that has in his in, or her teeth uh, a bone that they're eating and you try to grab it and they growl yeah. and they're almost going to bite off your arm. That's how I see people. If you happen to talk to them about food and, and they notice that you, what you're saying is going to affect what they're eating, they will, it's, they become very angry. It's because people learn how to eat from their mommies and daddies as babies. Right. And somehow when you tell them, that what mom and dad fed you was wrong, they take that very personally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't quite understand why my parents fed me the wrong food. I forgive them. They didn't know. I, I, I don't take it personally <laughs> that, that my parents made a mistake. Uh, you know, so, but, but for a lot of people, the, it's like insulting their family, insulting their culture, insulting their way of living when you just tell them this is science you're making a mistake you're 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 contributing to your own obesity and diabetes and autoimmune conditions and sometimes cancer and heart disease and they don't want to follow the science the well, science a lot is of, a lot of it is also the addiction that these foods produce this you have addiction and then you have the problem i guess or the challenge that there is a learning curve and they're going to have to learn how to eat in a different way and so you, they have two things there to overcome and you really have to want to do it and the other thing i've learned is that we human beings learn through pain until we feel pain because that's what I see. Someone has to have a heart attack. Someone has to have cancer. Someone has to have had a stroke. And then they're more willing to listen. Yeah. I, I had to feel like I was about to die also to do yeah. this. And so it's, uh, yeah. It's now, Gustavo, you have a, a book coming up uh, in the not too distant future. What can you tell us about that book and your co-author well yes that book um it's 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 very dear i guess because um first of all it's written with a very good friend of mine mine Shada. of ours of ours that's right um and it's shada solimani and um she's just a lovely lady and uh, she also has a powerful story of having lost i think close to 120 pounds and and keeping them keeping those pounds off and coming from another culture also so this book tells the story of two people who were not born in the united states uh, we're both citizens we're all both americans and love the the u.s and uh, owe so much to it so, but, it, but it's a book that tells the stories of how two people who came from different countries, really different countries and different cultures and different foods, um, when they went migrated to the United States at a young age, they eventually became uh, obese. And then how we transformed the, the foods that we loved from, from the US to plant-based, and also the foods from our own countries to whole food plant-based. So it's an international cookbook 
storytelling. <laughs> uh, it's a one of a kind book. It is, and I think. Yeah. It will be out before the end of the year. So everybody should look for that. And I'm sure there'll be information on your website at that time. And on Shada's yeah. website, uh, healthycooking.com is healthy that, cooking with Shada. Yeah. Healthycookingwithshada.com. And mine is plantemus. And that comes from plant and music. That's why it's called plantemus, because those uh, are my. I thought it was emus. I thought. I thought well, you're planting emus. No, plantemus. No. In I think that in Latin, plantemus means let us let's plant, like plant uh -huh. stuff. Okay. But also because I, I co-founded that with Doctor Diego Ponyman, who is a medical doctor in New York, and so we did it. We did we do this together. So um, uh, that's why I, I we called it that way. Plants for medicine. And, and that's his passion and my passion. And then E, the letter E, sounds like and in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And M-U-S is for music because many times right. I do cooking shows in which I also play the piano. So it's a right. combination of music and... Well, it's and the perfect name for the website. Now, uh, tell us also about your online book club that uh, you're going um, to be doing again soon. Well, this, this was a very popular book club that I started during the pandemic when we were all <laughs> locked in our houses and I thought I was going to lose my mind. And so one of the things that I did to, to stay sane was I thought, well, why not get do a book club? But instead of meeting in somebody's house or in a coffee shop, we'll just meet online and we will read every month a different book. Um, so people would get the book and then I would tell them what chapters to read each session and then we would discuss it and comment. I would have a guest. Sometimes I would um, make a, a, a recipe from that book. And so I it started, we did, I did so many books and they're all in my YouTube channel. So people can actually go and, and see the book clubs. There is a playlist called Blue Book Clubs. And um, and then uh, then after the pandemic, everybody we all started getting busy and being able to get out and travel and stuff. And so I stopped it. I started doing my seven day detox and reset program. But I I constantly have requests for this to come back. So it's coming back. And all right. And what's back. the next book that you will be discussing in the online book club? Well, this first uh, book for the relaunching is um, Anne and Jane Esselstyn's book, um, Be a, a, a Plant-Based... Uh, Plant-Based Warrior? Is that what it's called? Woman, woman Warrior. That's woman Warrior. But I'm saying hey, it's not just for women. So guys, men, you can also join... It's a wonderful book with strategies and ideas of how to con how to uh, be, you know, a whole food plant based person. And then it has lovely recipes, and I will demonstrate one of some of them, some of them, in the in each session. And I don't imagine after that, you know, which book you're going to be doing after that book, do you? Yes. Oh, you do. You do? You know I do. which book? I plan ahead of time. Wow. Yes. What what book uh, what book might that be? Well, there is this writer that is really good. I've read several books already by him. It's called Glenn Mercer. The, uh -huh. the, yeah. And um, and it's the book is America Goes Vegan. America Goes Vegan. So that would be this book right here. Oh my goodness, you already have it. I wow. read it. I just read it last night. Well, I read it and I could have put could not put it, you know, down. It's it's amazing. And oh. I will also demonstrate some of the recipes. Oh, that'll be fantastic. Yeah, the recipes are by Tracy Childs. Yes. And yes. I'm so glad that you like the book, Gustavo, because otherwise I wouldn't air this podcast. 
Right, so, yeah. So I, that's that's a good thing. But actually, I have to say that I didn't like it. Oh, you didn't I, like it? I didn't like it. I loved it. You that's loved the, it. All right. Well, that's okay then. Okay. That's that's okay then. I got nervous for a minute there, but that's okay. So make sure people, everybody who wants to be in the book club to either go to my website and, and sign up for my email list. I don't send e e emails all the time. So you're not going to have, uh, you know, your email box flooded by emails. Um, or you can go to, to the Facebook page because there's a link there for the book club. Uh, okay, so let's recap where people can find you. There is plantamus.com, which is plantemus.com, as I like to think of it. Yeah. Um, there is uh, your uh, Facebook page, which is Dr. Spelled Out Starch. There is your YouTube show, which is just they look up Gustavo Tolosa, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's either my YouTube channel can be found with my name or also under Plantemus. Okay. And, um, and then you've got a seven-day uh, detox program, which people can find at your website. That's right. That's right. And I also have an Instagram under Plantemus. All right. Well, that's, that's about all the ways that uh, you can be found, unless you're in Argentina. Look you for can, a guy um, looking for sea ice. Yes. And you'll find them. Okay. Well, Gustavo, thank you for joining us today. No, thank you. It we all fun. look forward to your book. And we will see you soon. All thank right. you all for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. This has been the Glenn Mercer Show, where everyone listening turns vegan, regains their health and annoys their friends and relatives. Find us on YouTube at The Glenn Merzer Show and across all your major podcast platforms. Don't forget to subscribe.